baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. hard to imagine you could go through something as public and dramatic as this and not come out the other side and, and be changed. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, virtual consumer editor at KMOX Radio. I'm joined by author and media literacy expert Julie Smith. In this episode... It's testing what I think most people took to be the assumption and the norm. Tweet and retweet the ongoing very public thread over ownership of Twitter. It's been a deal for a social media platform that's played out on the platform itself. Elon Musk and Twitter joining us to talk about business deals in the days of social media is Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, talk about a bad romance. Have you ever seen <laughs> another deal unfold like this one has on social media? Unfold on social media? No. There was a deal, you may recall, a few years ago um, when President Trump uh, tried to force TikTok to, to uh, be sold. And that was a pretty wild time. And, and I thought at the, at the time that that was the craziest business deal that I'd ever covered. But I think this has surpassed that pretty quickly. And, and to see the way that it's unfolded um, on Twitter, right, and, and seeing how Elon Musk's tweets are actually being used in a lawsuit against him, um, it, it's just been super unique and um, definitely uh, something that I've never seen happen before, at least certainly not at this pace. Could it be argued that Elon Musk has damaged the value of Twitter or would Twitter execs eventually have seen a decline in the value of that platform? I think both of those things can be true, but, but I, I do think that he's had a negative impact on the company's value. And I mean, he, he has over a hundred million followers. He's, he's obviously very influential and popular and he's spent months publicly questioning uh, Twitter's financial metrics, its, its user growth metrics, the, the quality and the skill of its executive team. So, you know, it's hard for someone with that much clout, that much influence to come out and say all the things that he said and, and pretend as if that's not going to have, you know, an impact on, on a company's value, right? I, I think he's definitely hurt, hurt the value of Twitter. Can you walk us through how important or how significant it was their disconnect between how many fake accounts Twitter claimed they had and how many fake accounts Musk thought they had and why that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a very important issue, right? Because he's using this as sort of the basis for his, his entire reason for trying to walk away from the deal. So in terms of the importance of it, it's huge. Um, why it matters, of course, is most of these companies are valued based on uh, you know, the potential business opportunity they present, right? And in Twitter's case, and in, and in all advertising-based businesses, the, the value there is derived by, like, how many people you can reach. Um, and 
a bot is not, you know, going to be the same value as a real human being because that bot isn't going to actually buy anything. And so, you know, there's an argument that if, if the number of bots on Twitter is much higher than Twitter claims, well, then the, the total audience is therefore much smaller and it's not as valuable as an advertising platform. And so um, that really is the basis for this entire debate is Elon is claiming that, you know, he bought something thinking that it had a much larger audience than it actually does. He hasn't offered any evidence to prove that yet, but that's his claim. Educate us here. When it comes to this issue of maybe information requests like this or release of information in a typical business deal of this magnitude, I mean, would that be something that someone could ask for? You know, it's just, it's just happened so publicly in this case. Yeah. So yes and no. I think he's certainly you know, allowed to ask for this. And I think that the deal stipulates that Twitter is required to hand over, you know, any information that's that's deemed necessary to close the deal. I think where the issue has come up is that they disagree on the, on whether or not this is, is needed. And so in Elon's case, he's saying, listen, I need this information. Um, and I don't, and he's saying that he doesn't trust the math that Twitter has been doing all along. Twitter, meanwhile, says we've been sharing this number publicly for years now. Um, what more is there to see? And and they're really not, you know, willing to hand over things that um, would be needed to kind of fact check their math because of what they claim as privacy reasons. So, for example, in order to determine if an account is actually a human being, um, you can't just look at the tweets because those aren't always indicative you might need to check like the IP address of that user. You might need to check their email or their phone number. Like, are they actually uh, logging in um, at, at what would be considered, you know, normal human cadence? And that's kind of information Twitter says is, is private and uh, poses a privacy issue if they were to share it with Elon Musk, so they're not. And that's making it difficult for him to check Twitter's math on the bot issue. So when we look at Twitter, regardless of what happens with the Musk purchase. Is this going to change Twitter, do you think, just because of the issues that have been brought up and the way this has been handled? It's hard to imagine you could go through something as public and dramatic as this and not come out the other side and and be changed, right? If only even because the employees are going to think about things differently, um, executives are going to think about things differently. So I do think that, you know, it'd be unrealistic to assume that Twitter is just going to be the exact same company it was four months ago, especially if a deal like this falls through. Now, exactly how that's going to change, I don't think we can really say because I think it depends, again, on on who's in charge and what the priorities are. But um, I think it's safe to assume that, you know, even just from a cultural standpoint, I, I'm not sure that a company can, can go through something like this and, and not have some kind, kind of, uh, you know, noticeable impact. We've seen research that only two out of five Americans are actually on Twitter. Is Twitter that big of a deal? From a size standpoint, it's much smaller than, than Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. It's, it's not, it doesn't have the same size user base that a lot of these other, these other platforms do. Well, I think Twitter is not just a big deal, but a huge deal is the cultural impact, right? I mean, there's very few services out there that really influence everything that's happening in the world from news to politics to sports. And I think Twitter is one of those. And I think, you know, the fact that the president of the United States used it, 
daily for four years and, and created all kinds of issues socially and politically on the service for his entire presidency is just right there an example of, of how important this service is to kind of the broader culture, even if the user base might not be as big as some of its rivals. How could this impact future deals in the tech industry? I could see it going either way, either people will clamp down on this kind of deal making, you know, in the, in the social media sphere, or people will use it as a way to really get what they want by going on social media. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the outcome here. If a Delaware court essentially lets Elon Musk walk away from this deal, I think it could pose a a real big issue for these types of acquisitions moving forward because it essentially means that a buyer who comes to an agreement to buy a company can either get cold feet or the market can turn or whatever, and they can get out of it. Right. And so maybe that will mean that companies are going to be more aggressive because they know that, you know, if, if things turn for the worse, they'll have an out. Um, If the court forces Elon to buy this deal, maybe it does the opposite, right? Maybe that forces people to be even more particular about the deals that they get into because they know that those agreements are pretty ironclad. And, you know, that's kind of been how I think people assume these things work for years. So this is a bit of an outlier. It's, It's testing what I think most people took to be the assumption and the norm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how a court weighs on this because depending on the outcome, I think that'll determine which way the, the industry moves. If the sale does go through, do you have any predictions of how Musk could or might want to change Twitter's terms of service? I do think that he, as he said publicly, he wants to make it much more open in the sense of like, unless you're breaking the law, I think he believes that everything should be fair game, right? And so right now there's a whole bunch of rules at Twitter that are not technically against the law, but would be the kinds of things that, you know, most people probably wouldn't want to engage with, right? If you're, if you're at a, at a restaurant, you wouldn't want someone standing up and yelling racist things or sexist things, right? And, and so there's rules about kind of being in that space and that's what Twitter has created. And so, those are the types of things that he has at least hinted at getting rid of and basically making it a very black and white situation. If it's against the law, it's against the rules. And if it's not against the law, it's fair game. And so it's hard to say until he takes over exactly what that's going to you know, look like. But I get the sense that it'll be kind of uh, the existing rule book will kind of be thrown out the window and we'll be we'll be kind of going with more of that type of delineation between those two things. I I think it's so interesting because Twitter's current terms of service say that we are not to use any hurtful or harmful language, which seems so hilarious to me because so much of Twitter is that as it stands right now. I was going to say, you've never seen hurtful or harmful things on Twitter, right? Well, Kurt, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us to offer these insights. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner. I'm Megan Lynch with Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project. Hey. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did